Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Cannon Cast, an SB Nation podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase. Joining me today is Eric Seeds and Elaine Shercliffe. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well today. Uh, it was a cloudy but not too bad of a day here in Columbus. It didn't really rain on us. I'm having a day. What happened? <laughs> oh, no. I, I just thought, uh, well, I ruined last night's podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then yeah, ru- <laughs> this, is why, this is why Team iPhone should uh, d- uh, is won the poll. Rules of the day. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, and then I, like, I, I just totally, like, ripped my pants twice in, like, a 12-hour oh, period. So I guess I should stop doing, like, leg day or something because apparently I just... <laughs> too thick i don't know <laughs> i thought I oh boy <laughs> oh elaine well without further ado that's a good segue i think uh no we'll get we'll get into this so um obviously the Stanley cup final ended last week the blues took it in seven um what is your reaction guys to i guess basically the blues winning the cup i mean we all i think we all had boston pretty much winning it so uh i'll start with you seeds what did you think Never underestimate my ability to be wrong making predictions. I figured uh, in a game seven scenario, uh, you can trust uh, Tuka Rask, who was lights out for the entire postseason to carry his team to victory. And you can trust the Brad Marchand and Patrice Berger online to show up. Turns out um, David Pasternak played the entire postseason with a concussion. Uh, Turns out (laughs) Brad Marchand I had the worst brain fart in uh, game seven. I think I've ever seen in my lifetime when he decided to bail off the ice and basically gift San Jose a goal with 10 or St. Louis a goal with 10 seconds to go at the first period. And uh, (laughs) Tuka Rask only decided to save 16 out of 20 shots. So, um, yeah, leave it to me to be wrong. But congratulations to the Blues. Um, They absolutely deserved it. Ryan O'Reilly deserved Con Smythe winner. He was Excellent in that game, had a wicked deflection on that first goal. And then uh, Jordan Bennington made the big saves when he needed to. He wasn't called on all that often outside of the first 10 minutes. Um, my reaction basically was when Boston didn't score in the f- opening 10 minutes when they put that flurry on Bennington, that game was over. So congrats to the Blues. Hopefully it'll be us next year. I felt a little gypped because we haven't seen a game says seven 
since like 2011 when the Bruins won it. And I was all ready to see like five full periods of hockey. So they really hurt my hockey soul with that one. Uh, But it was, I only got to watch the third period. And from what I saw in the third period, it looks like the Bruins had like a total meltdown. Um, which is not a good thing to do when you go into game seven, really unsure what was going on there, but just like watching how happy the blues were and the way they were with like, um, their fans and their family. And and you start hearing all these stories about what they individually have gone through this year, a lot of life changes. It's, um, pretty incredible. Like the one the one player they sent up specifically so he could uh, get that insurance for his son. And he, like, what team does that? That's, <laughs> I hope all teams do that, but that was pretty, that was a pretty neat story. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had the Bruins before the series. I had them uh, when we were talking last week. I had them winning game seven. But I did mention that the Blues have been able to overcome adversity. They did it against the Sharks with the whole hand pass situation. Uh, they were, they've been great on the road the entire playoffs. I think they won about 10 games. Um, yeah, they which, won 10 I of mean, 16 on the road. Yeah, and at home, they just couldn't get it done for the most part, it seemed like. But, um, but yeah, the Blues were resilient. They were obviously the best team. And, yeah, I, the first period, Boston was pretty much dominating that first period, and yet St. Louis comes away with two goals. And Jordan Bennington, as you mentioned, was just – Phenomenal. Um, kind of takes me back to Cam Ward back in 2006 when he just took over and was the guy. But um, anyway, kind of it also makes you realize or I guess forget about Jake Allen because Jordan Bennington's obviously the guy going forward. But um, anyway, segueing to from that to uh, I guess the post game or post celebration, really, I was thinking about it last year when the Caps won the Stanley Cup, Alexander Ovechkin had the whole what seemed like a summer long bender. And it seems like Brett Hall is trying to rival that. What was your guys' thoughts about Hall? Brett Hall's been drunk for like, well, probably his whole life. But honestly, he, he I think he came out like this whole series and was just he was ready to celebrate. I think he was just pre- like prepping his liver for for the eventual win. Okay, my take on Brett Hall is that I'm the party pooper, which no one in their right mind or anyone who knows me in real life will ever call me. I'm usually not one to throw water on a fire and put out a party, but (laughs) save the save the drunken celebrations and being obnoxious for the players who actually won the cup on the team. Like if it was Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and Colton Pareko going berserk. Sure, that's fine. But Brett Hall, you calm calm down and like let the actual players have the spotlight and like at least allow them to celebrate although my favorite my favorite moment of the entire celebration that the, the blues did was when was the pictures post or pre celebration in the locker room and post celebration in the locker room in the corner there was a stack of like pedialyte and water and in the pre in the post celebration <laughs> photo none of that had even been touched. And I just want to just commend the blues for like going on a 24 hour bender after that game was over. Because I, if I, if my, if the blue jackets were to ever win the Stanley cup, I'd do the same thing. I'd probably need to be carried out of our bar, but you know, worth it. 
Yeah, I just hope Brett Hall's liver is okay. I mean, he's been drunk, I think, since, I don't know, at least the Western Conference uh, semifinals. But it's funny because I know Hall spent the most of his career with the Blues and won the Stanley Cup with Detroit and Dallas. But I don't know. I guess maybe he'd be the same way if the Wings or the Stars were going through a Stanley Cup uh, run. But it just, I don't know. I guess he really holds the Blues close to his heart. So I guess good for him. But yeah, good for the players, good for the team, you know, the city as far as overcoming that. What was it, a 50-year drought, basically? So yeah, but now that the Stanley Cup is out of the way, kind of leads to, I guess you could say, more important things, at least as far as the Blue Jackets go. Um Marcus Anakinen signed yesterday. He was a pending RFA. Uh, it's one year for seven hundred and fifty thousand. What are your guys' thoughts? I, I think it's really just a nice added, you know, it's an added depth move. I mean, he's not going to move the needle as far as a Panarin, obviously, or a Duchesne, but he's a guy that's going to provide some minutes. Um, what is what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, my my exact reaction when it happened, I saw it like come across my Twitter feed. Was I was like, sure. I mean, sure, he's he's a fine depth piece. He's apparently OK sitting in the press box and hanging out, playing 40 games. I think he was hurt some of this season, so that might have impacted his ice time. But he's fine. A fourth line filler guy. If someone comes in with injury or there's, you know, they they're on a back to back and want to rotate some forwards. But he's never going to be a guy who lights the world on fire. It's a fine depth move, especially with Lucas said, said like bolting to the KHL basically out of the blue. So good for good for set or good for Hannah Kynan to get his contract and uh, keep him in Columbus here. But I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for him to set the world on fire next season. Just continue to be that valuable depth piece and we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm really interested to see what moves happen here in the next couple days yeah it was a pretty uh chill i want to say chill signing because it wasn't one that made everyone go like oh my god yes or like get really angry and flip table o- <laughs> tables over um so it it's a little bit of depth there and if he's fine with making money and sitting for the most part then i guess like Good on him, uh, but maybe this will light him to start performing again, which would be great for him. I, too, am interested to see what kind of moves go down. Um, I have a feeling we're going to do some sign and flips or do some rights, letting people have the rights to talk to someone. So it'd be nice. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add, too, I think that I, I remember, um, I think it was shortly after the Blue Jackets postseason exit to the Bruins, they, our Yarmo was talking about players that want to be in Columbus and stressing and emphasizing that they want players that want to be there. And I mean, again, it's a low, it's a low depth or it's a, it's a depth move, but I think obviously it would, it would imply anyway that Hannah kind of does want to be there. I know he's an RFA. He's probably coming back anyway, but um you know, I think that's sort of it'll be interesting. To, it's kind of a barometer, I guess, going forward as far as players that end up being Columbus or however that shakes out. And they're trying to really I think they're trying to almost avoid a Panera Bobrovsky situation as far as players that don't want to be there and dealing with that black cloud. But um, also just some NHL news in general with with uh, the draft coming up this weekend. Um there's been some moves as far as the Jets trading Jacob Truba to the Rangers, Eric Carlson, re-signing with the Sharks for eight years and at least $11 million per year. Um, 
And then it sounds like the Flyers are trying to lock up Kevin Hayes. Um, so as usual, the Metro seems to just be getting richer and richer as far as players and star players. And I don't know. Did you guys have a quick, quick thought on the Metro or any of these moves? I don't think uh, any of them really scare me. I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. I think we're still going to be in a better place than most teams as long as we sign Matt Duchesne. Yeah, um, yeah, we we badly need to re-sign Matt Duchesne. Please, someone make that happen. Uh, I though the Rangers are starting to worry me a little bit, only because they they got Truba, they got John Davidson. They're getting Capo Caco, who's I, I'm all in on. I watched him in World Junior or the World Championships this year and love the kid. Watched him take down Canada when Finland had basically no NHL regulars on their roster. Um, so the Rangers are starting to worry me. I'm not really worried about the Devils getting Jack Hughes. They're still a ways away. But with, with John Davidson there and the Rangers starting to ramp up their rebuild and maybe get back into... We want to go for this while Henrik Lundqvist is still a Ranger status. Um, we might see some. We might see some uh, threat from them. Remember, no one really thought the Islanders were going to be anything last year. So if the Rangers can turn Truba and Kako, and maybe with JD in house, they get someone like a Panarin. Um, they might be a. They'll, they'll be a force to be reckoned with in the Metro. So yet again, the Metro will be a bloodbath this season, as it always seems to be. Oh, and on top of that, it sounds like the Penguins are not going to try to move Kessel as far or after he rejected that initial trade proposal to the Wild. So who knows? And it could still play out. But yeah, the Rangers are interesting. They were they were they were decent last year. They got off to a pretty good start. Um, they weren't ready to contend yet, but with like you said, JD, their their roster is pretty good, and they're adding with all the younger players, younger influence. Lundqvist is still Lundqvist, and then you have. Potentially a guy like Panarin coming in there or whoever. I mean, Rangers could be interesting. The Devils, Devils are weird because they were awful and they made the playoffs, what, two seasons ago now? And then they have a down year this past season. So I don't know what they're up to. But And then with the Flyers, they're always a weird team too because they seem to start out slow and then they get on a hot run, almost made the playoffs this past season. Chuck Fletcher's been making trades. So as usual, the Metro is... Whatever the blue, whatever division the Blue Jackets are in, it's always one of the better divisions, basically since their existence started in the Central Division. But uh, something to monitor. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So also, while I'm thinking about it, I wanted to do a quick retraction from what I said last week about Kyle Turris, when for some reason I was thinking he was a potential UFA and a guy that could replace Duchesne if he left. Obviously, he's still under contract. They signed him last season or prior to last season. So I would not trade for Kyle Turris if Duchesne left. But anyway, just wanted to get, I, that, get I that out of the way. I want to kind of touch on that just real, real quick. Um, I don't understand the idea that people... Uh, certain beat writers who write for the athletic that shall remain nameless, keep putting out there that the blue jackets should absolutely trade for a bad contract just to get back in, just to get a, 
good draft picks this year. Um, that is not something Yarmo has ever seemed like he is willing to do. That is not something that this franchise needs to do. Um, any idea of taking on the Milan Lucic contract is at, is patently absurd on its face and uh, oh, would be gra- would be grounds for uh, marching on the face would be grounds for marching on Nationwide Arena as a fan base. So uh, <laughs> to a certain writer for the Athletic, shut up. Okay, wait. Let's be nice, though. Okay, <laughs> to a certain writer, to a certain writer for the Athletic, please stop. Please stop doing that. We're not trading for Milan Lucic just to get a first round pick. Yeah, no way. I. Yeah, I, agree. I nothing uh-huh. about nothing about Yarmo's nothing about Yarmo's tenure here suggests that he would ever do such a thing. Well, and it's okay that we don't even have a first round pick because this draft is deep. Like the 2001 birth year is insanely good. They're just solid across the board. So if we're picking like there's going to be really good guys in the seventh round that aren't going to get taken. There are going to be guys that don't get taken at all and are going to have to enter the draft next year. Like it's, it's crazy how great this birth year is. And I guarantee you, Oh, and I guarantee you that when these guys leave college, they're going to be signing a whole bunch of them are going to be signing entry level contracts and PTOs left and right with AHL and NHL teams. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, Lane touched on it. Um, we'll get more in depth in it next week, but uh, the NHL draft is this weekend in Vancouver. Um, basically, it seems like it's the draft of the Americans because Bob McKenzie had a, an article with TSN about the draft and just how many Americans on the U.S. Uh, under 18 team, I guess, the U.S. 18 team, how many uh, projected top 31 or of the top 31, how many could, could uh, be drafted? Obviously, Jack Hughes is the number one um, Seeds mentioned Capo Caco as that's his, that's how you say it right. Seeds. Yeah, yeah, Capo Caco. Yeah, yeah, Capo Caco. As far as uh, him probably being the consensus number two, so a lot to t- kind of divulge from that, and that kind of leads me to another point. Ryan Murray of the Blue Jackets UFAs. Ryan Murray is probably one of the top candidates to potentially be traded. The Blackhawks have been kind of linked to that to him as far as potential. You know, essentially trying to trade for him. Mark uh, Lazarus had a piece on in the Athletic on Monday about a potential um, trade scenario that would net the Black or the Blue Jackets a 2019 second round, 2019 fourth round pick to Columbus for Murray's rights and potentially signing Ryan Dezingle. That was kind of like in his article. We had four different contingency plans based on what the Blackhawks could possibly do, and that was one of them. Um, that obviously could shake out based on just anything could happen with the NHL draft and trades and trying to get under the salary cap. And with Murray, we all know as good as he is on the ice, he's never on the ice enough with his injury history. Um, in six seasons, he's basically had the equivalent of one full season. Just wanted to touch on that real fast. Uh, what did you guys potentially think about Murray maybe potentially being traded? That's fine. I'm yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, bye. <laughs> if there was, if, I agree. If they're willing to give up some assets, like it's nothing against Murray, the player, but at some point it's just a sunk cost. And is there is I mean, he's averaged roughly 55, 60 games per season for his entire career. And that includes the year he played an 82 game season. So, like, we'll just take the risk that, you know, he's not going to play 
he's not going to stay healthy. And if he goes to Chicago and stays healthy, then that's a risk we took. But nothing about his career trajectory to this point suggests to me that he's going to stay healthy and um, play an 82-game season. When he plays, he's talented, but I'd rather just have the assets that I could use to build my team and my prospect farm out further rather than count on maybe Murray staying healthy enough for the playoffs because it just hasn't happened. Exactly. He, we just, uh, we need more stability within the defense from jackets and monsters perspective. There just needs to be that stability and he's not providing it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's great when he play, when he's healthy, he's, he's a great player, but is it worth him sitting so much um, when we can maybe bring a guy up and mold him to be maybe even better than Murray? I, I mean, those are things that have to be weighed. Um, I think if you can trade for him, trade him and get an asset, I would be all for it. Um, and actually, I saw, see, you had a tweet today about, I guess, potentially the Blue Jackets are interested or maybe talking to Buffalo about um, trying to add Rasmus Ristolainen. Their defenseman, who's 24, um, you seemed kind of against that, but I was kind of thinking maybe he's like a potential Murray replacement, although he is a right-handed shot and Murray's a lefty. But he does have, at least from an offensive perspective, he can put up points. He had 43 this past season, but what would you think about potentially adding him? No. I have literally, like, I don't know as much about Rasmus Ristolainen, but... uh when I was when I so the only the, the reason I was hesitant about Ristolainen is because when I was writing my Zach Wierenski piece um, post post the season and like looking at contract comparables, um, Ristolainen was a comparable for uh, Wierenski. And uh, it looks to me like Ristolainen is overpaid um, for what yes. they ask him to do. And he I know, I know. Plus minus is a terrible stat, and Buffalo was terrible. But Ristolainen was a minus forty. I saw that too. Yeah. was yeah. a minus forty one yeah. this season. Not, not great. So even like on a bad, even like on a bad team, minus forty one stands out. Like that's awful. Like that's, yeah, that's poor, awful. like that's that, that's Jack Johnson bad. Can can I explain to you why I hate that stat so much? I used to like live and die by the plus minus. Like I would use that as a reason why a defender sucked. <laughs> um, but when I was working, uh, when I was interning with the triple a jackets and I was like, man, this kid is like awful defenseman wise, his partner is so much better that I don't understand how they have a significantly different plus minus. And he pointed out that like this, this dad pointed out that this kid would turn over the puck and head directly to the bench so that, Ovechkin like, well, <laughs> like well, that, was... that might that might explain why what I'm looking at here. Ristolainen last season was a minus 41. Jack Johnson was a minus four. So maybe Johnson was just bailing to the bench. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. That, that I just wanted to crack on Jack Johnson. <laughs> I, I will say this for any potential defensive inefficient or deficiencies, I guess he might have. He does have 17 power play points. I don't know. It's hey, we could, and, out and there, Lord knows we could use all the power play points we can get. I just, I feel like there's got to yeah. be a better option out there than overpaying Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, yeah, it depends too. Like you mentioned, the salary. 
and what it would take to acquire him. That's a good point. But uh, he is yeah, young, though. Um, He's only 24, but still. Right. Yeah. All right. So we also had uh, some pretty big news today in the organization as far as the Cleveland Monsters. They signed, or I should say they made Chris Clark their new general manager, and Mike Eaves has become the new head coach, the sixth head coach in Monsters history. Elaine, you are all in, tapped in on the Monsters. Go ahead and give us your, your breakdown. Well, first of all, it was really hard because I decided since I couldn't be at the press conference that uh, because of work that I wasn't going to um, allow myself to know so that I wouldn't obsess over it all day. So it was like really hard in the anticipation, finding out what the news was, like who's going to be the coach. Um, I was not let down. <laughs> oh. Eves is such a good coach. Oh my goodness. Like his time at Wisconsin produced so many NHL players. One of which was Jack Skilly. I love him dearly. Um, but he, I mean like Adam Burrish, um, Derek Steppen, Ryan Sutter, Suter, uh, Craig Smith. That's a good list. Like he just like, he knows how to take, and Kyle, and, and Kyle Turris, <laughs> um, he knows how to take talent and mold it into even better talent. So for guys like Cole Sherwood and Sonny Milano, Paul Bittner, like all those guys, he's just going to take them to the next level. Um, and I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am about that. And he doesn't, he doesn't take, um, he doesn't take, wait, can I say that? Can I? Sure. <laughs> um, he, he won't put up with shenanigans and people not taking the game seriously because it's a, he's a hockey family. He played at Wisconsin. His son, Patrick Eves <laughs> is a retired hockey player <laughs> from the pros. Uh, Ben Eves is now at Miami University this this coming season. So it's Wait, just like, like Miami, Ohio. Yes. Oh, hmm. <laughs> today I learned. <laughs> it's hard not to get excited when you see a coach of such caliber. Actually, no, I lied. I'm sorry, guys. He is now the new U18 AAA Blue Jackets coach, and I totally should have known that off the top of my head. But he did coach at Miami before he came over. Um, but God, when you see a guy like Mike Eves as your coach in the system, you can't help but get excited. Like, I don't know. And Chris Clark is a great guy to have as a GM because he's just really nice. Um, I guess nice is a pretty vanilla word. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's very kind. He means business. And he knows how to see the game from pretty much every position. That's it. So that's very, I mean, that's good when it comes to GMing. And, you know, it, it's, it will be nice to have someone fresh, fresh down there all the time. I mean, he was down there like back and forth because he was one of the rotating assistant coaches, um, him and Greg Campbell. But It'll be an exciting season, and I, I think I'm going to call it right now. 
we are making it to the second round of the Calder Cup playoffs, at least. Oh, be bold, Elaine. You guys are winning the Calder. Listen, the last... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the podcast of bold. Fine, we are winning the Calder Cup next season, and I'm going to go on, like, a summer-long vendor, and all my articles are going to be written when I'm drunk. So get ready, bud. Next year's podcast will be uh, Ovechkin, Hall, and then Elaine Spender. Yes! <laughs> I have GoPros. And maybe Seeds if Columbus can actually win, so. Maybe they'll both win. Oh, I'm calling it oh. out. They're both winning next year, and the Canon site will just be drunk the whole time. I have GoPros. I'll attach them to all of us, and we'll put videos up every week so people can join in the fun. That would be fantastic. Oh, by the way, I have to mention this. I saw that former Blue Jacket, David Clarkson, has submitted. And obviously, he's been out. He's basically not been playing for the last three seasons due to his injury. But uh, he's on the Golden Knights roster. They're under cap, trying to get under the cap. They have issues there. And he uh, submitted his no trade list to the Knights. Even though he's not playing for the Golden Knights, it won't be playing again. It's just kind of funny that he's still submitting a no trade list to basically imply like, or it's almost like he's theoretically saying, I won't play for these teams, but I'll potentially play over there. But let's, let's take that, that bad contract of, back for a first round pick. Yes, let's do as, it. Yeah. Shout out the athletic. <laughs> May as well. But isn't he, isn't May he coaching? Well. Wait, so serious question. Isn't he coaching upper Arlington's high school team? Yes, he is. Yeah, I think okay, so. Yes, so let's just think, take yeah. the bad contract. Let's do it. We have no, we have nothing no. to lose. He probably hasn't even, I don't even think he's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he has been in he's, Vegas. He had, he's had to report I mean, out there to uh, to do his physical, but that's it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, we're just about out of time. And for our final thoughts, I thought we'd mix it up a little bit and talk about if we had the Stanley Cup for a day, what would we do with it? So, Elaine, this was your idea. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> okay, cool. Because I think about this a lot. <laughs> um, if Well, I'm super extra, first of all. And I'm also super Catholic. So obviously we would start the day. It would be a Sunday. Um, instead of using the chalice during mass, we would use the Stanley Cup for communion. Um, and it's fine. I know it's heavy, but my friend, Father Mike McCandless, is like, he's he is pretty, he has some pretty meaty arms. He's very strong. Um, so I think we'll be fine on that front. And then, of course, you have to party with it. Like, I will take that everywhere, and I will invite everyone over for a party, and we'll probably go take it for a swim in every lake in the area, um, starting with the lake by my house, Wild Lake. And then we'll just um, move through Stowe, Hudson, up towards Cleveland, onto Lake Erie. We'll just let that lovely Lord Stanley see all the wonders of Northeast Ohio and all the beautiful lakes and drunkenness that we have here. What about you seeds? Yeah. Um, I'm taking the cup to a morning tea time on the golf course. I'm going to <laughs> ride around on the golf cart with the Stanley cup around my arm or my arm around the Stanley cup <laughs> and just, uh, pour beers in it on every tea box, take drinks out of it. And then, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll probably just take it around. I'll probably sit it at our bar most of the afternoon. Um, hang out down there around hockey at the hockey bar right by Nationwide Arena. And then 
from everything I've ever heard about the Stanley Cup, it is the world's greatest skeleton key. Like you show up someplace you're not supposed to be and say, say, hey, I've got the Stanley Cup. They'll let you in the door. So um, I'm going to places, clubs. I don't know where someplace I probably shouldn't be. And is being like, <laughs> I've got the cup and I've brought a party. Let us in. And that's what I'm going to do with my day with the cup. It's going to be one great big rager. I wish the cup talked, though. Like, I want to know everything that it's seen. Everything. Yeah, I um, I know in Columbus, I think it was when Columbus officially had their team announced, I think back in 97. I, th- I think it was the year it was 97 was when the Cup was in Columbus. And I was able to touch it and curse the city as it you, is. But anyway. You two um, are the worst. You both are the worst. Like, my grandmother. See, it's an eye. Right. My grandmother yeah. told me three things in life. Be kind to everyone love always and don't touch the stanley cup unless you or your team wins it i don't understand i think your parents failed you well i'll never win it so that was my <laughs> chance to win and now i can say i've won the i've won it but anyway <laughs> um so my day with the cup i mean i've seen it you know people eat out of it eat cereal out of it drink beer out of it i want to do that um i want to lift it up because i want to see what it would be like i mean i know it's i don't know I, whenever players are on TV and they're, they're they're hoisting it, I'm always just imagining, even though they're dead tired. It's not that and, heavy. It's only like 35 know, pounds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I want to, I want to lift it up. Um, just imagine that it was me um, on the ice, but uh, man, I don't know. I mean, whether I'd, I'd be like a celebrity for a day, whether it was taking it to just show it off everywhere I go work. I mean, I don't know. I'd go to work, but I mean, like, showing it to anybody and everybody and i don't know it was kind of funny as far as what seed said about taking it to god knows where and just getting it anywhere it's cool how players take it to all kinds of countries you know their homes and whatever and it'd be cool to actually i think go somewhere i don't know crazy with it but yeah i don't have the greatest story with it but um yeah definitely kind of i guess touch on the cliche things like eat cereal out of it and Drink beer out of it and just, I don't know, do you, soak it in. But Do you uh, guys think anyone's ever gone, like, skydiving with the cup? Like, I, I would like I don't, to see I that. don't know if the keepers of the cup would let you. <laughs> Thing is, that yeah, that would be an added weight for sure. I don't know. I'd like to see it. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. We'll be back next week. Be sure to catch um, all of our Blue Jackets articles. Uh, I have an RFA piece coming out Thursday. Elaine will have her Monsters coverage and just anything. Seeds is going to cover the draft on Saturday. So for any draft coverage, check out CBJ Cannon on Twitter, on Facebook, jacketscannon.com. And we'll be back next week to kind of recap the draft and talk about anything that unfolds between now and then regarding the Blue Jackets and the NHL.
I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.